I want you to turn your Bibles, if you will, to Exodus chapter 20. A little strange place to begin, I'm sure. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. This is God laying out the Ten Commandments. And I just want to read these Ten Commandments very quickly. We're just going to kind of skip around in these verses. And I want you to observe something. Look at what it says here. The first commandment is found in verse 3. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3. He says these words. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Number two, the second commandment. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Number three, it's found in verse seven. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Number four, the fourth commandment is found in verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Verse 12 is the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. The sixth commandment is found in verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. Verse 14, the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. The eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal. The ninth commandment, verse 16, thou shalt not bear false witness. The tenth commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. I find it very interesting that the first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. The fifth commandment in the middle of all this is our relationship with our mother and our father. And then lastly, the, the, the third the third. The third third of this, if you will, is our relationship with one another. But it starts out with a relationship with God. It kind of sandwiches, if you will, in between these two, uh, our relationship with our mother and our father. And then it sandwiches, if you will, at the end, our relationship with one another. All of these things are significant. They're not without design. But I want you to notice here, in verse 3, he says these words. Thou shalt have no other God before me, Verse 4, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or anything in likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under under the earth. Verse 5, and thou shalt not bow thyself to them to serve these images that you've made. Verse 5, for I, underline it, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. I want to talk just very briefly and open up this session with the issue of jealousy. The Bible says that God informs us that he is a jealous God. Go with me, if you will, to another verse right along these same lines in Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. And I want to begin reading with verse 10. We're going to read on down through verse 14. Exodus chapter 34, verse 10 And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all the people. I will do marvels, such as you have not seen done in all the earth, nor in any of the nations, and all the people among uh, which thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I will drive out the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Pezzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and take heed, pay attention to yourself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whether thou goest, lest it be a snare in the midst of thee. Verse 13, but you shall de- destroy their altars and break their images and cut down their groves. And thou shalt worship no other God, underline it, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. What that tells me is this, is that God experiences jealousy. And not all jealousy is evil or bad or inappropriate. There are times when God becomes a jealous God. 
If you look up the word jealousy and you observe it from the word of God, um, it means this. Jealousy is founded on the knowledge that what belongs to you is being given to someone else. When you begin to see things that belong to you, and those things that belong to you are being given to someone else, jealousy, a godly jealousy, will arise within your life. There is an illegitimate jealousy. And an illegitimate jealousy is something, in other words, this feeling that something that belongs to you, that's legitimate jealousy, is given to someone else. But there is a destructive jealousy, an, an illegitimate jealousy. When we expect, when we expect um, things to be given to us that do not rightly belong to us. When we, when we in, endeavor to hold onto things that are not rightfully ours, it's an illegitimate jealousy. Let's just go ahead and put this down to brass tacks. When, when, when I give you more devotion than I do my mother and father, I'm giving them the, the opportunity for jealousy to arise within their life because I'm giving what belongs to them to someone else. I never forget when I, uh, when I came down to Tulsa, you know, this, I'm from Michigan. And so the Southern people, a lot of Southern people, um, will call people that are dear to them that they respect mom and dad. And so, um, so we, we kind of got going. We were talking about the charter class of Rainbow Bible Training Center. Uh, the, first, the first year group, there was 72 of us that began. 50, 58 of us graduated. And um, we started calling mom and dad Hagen mom and dad. And so I'll never forget, I came home during Christmas time in 1974 and uh, went back up to Michigan, saw my mom and dad. And I happened to make a comment and said, and used the phrase, Mom Hagen. And when I did, I noticed the composure of my mom changed. And, um, and after a couple of days, she came to me about that and said, I'm having a problem. And I didn't, I didn't understand it at the moment, but, but, but the more I understand the issue of jealousy, I understand it now that I was giving what belonged to my mother who had earned it to someone else. Jealousy uh, is the result of a recognition that what, what belongs to you is being given to someone else. God is a jealous God. But, 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 but with all that said, uh, we have to understand that that implies then that there are some things that belong to God. There are some things that belong to God, and he knows they belong to him. I want you to go with me, if you will, to, um, to uh, uh, I'll tell you what, let's go to Malachi, the last book of, of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. And I want to begin reading with verse 6. Malachi chapter 1 in verse 6. There are two things that I found that belongs to God. That when it's given to others, 
there's a jealousy that will, that will that'll arise up within God. Um, and that is, number one, the issue of honor. I know that Brother Tony has talked to you about the issue of honor. Uh, the reason why I know is, is a friend of mine uh, actually had done a message on honor. And it caught my attention, and I asked him, I said, Where'd you, where'd you kind of, he said, well, I stumbled on some stuff that Tony Finley was preaching on, and um, he said, I kind of stole it from him a little bit, kind of made it mine, of course, you know. And so I went and found Tony's messages on honor and started listening to him, sparked some things in me. I began to search this issue out. I began to realize that there are some things that belong to God, and one of those things that belong to God is honor. I found scriptures like this, Malachi chapter Chapter 1, verse 6. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, this is God speaking now, if I be a father, where is my honor? Isn't that interesting? And if I be a master, then where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you. He's saying, where's my honor? I deserve honor. You're not giving to me. How come you're giving it to others and you're not giving it to me? Listen to what it says here in Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Paul says some things about this issue. Romans 13. Romans 13, verse 7. Paul says to the Romans, Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, underline it, and honor to whom honor is due. Evidently, there are, there are, there, there are some, uh, 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 there's some arenas where honor is due. And, and if you're living in one of those areas where honor is due, and yet the honor is being given to someone else other than to whom it is due, well, then jealousy arises. Because the essence of jealousy is that you're giving what belongs to someone else that belongs to me. And then I want you to go with me, if you will, to, to Mark, Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Mark 12. And in Mark chapter 12, Jesus is talking here. And um, we'll just kind of cut to the chase. Verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Render unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, and to God the things that belong to God. Honor belongs to God. Now, now, now I've listened to Tony and, and I agree with him completely. Honor is to value. Honor means to esteem highly. Honor means to treat as weighty and to treat with significance. I, I, I agree with that completely. But while I was teaching this a while, a while back at Ramah, um, I, I heard these words on the inside. Honor simply gives what belongs. Honor simply gives what belongs. There are some things that belong to God. And, and when you give what belongs to him, you honor him. Now, now I, found, I found this to be true, that there are two things that God expects, that God that God owns, if you will. And that is, he expects honor. He expects to be honored. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But he also expects um, to be thanked. 
I want you to go with me, if you will, to Luke 17. Listen to this. This is Jesus. Now, once again, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you've seen the Father, you know, because we know the Father through Jesus. Um, Luke chapter 17. And you know the story in verse 11. The two things that belong to God are honor and thanksgiving, gratitude, expressions of appreciation. Listen to what he says here in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of the Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers and stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Master, have mercy upon us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were all cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, came back and offered thanksgiving. You know the story. And fell down, verse 16, and fell down on his face and giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Look at verse 17. It's an amazing verse. Jesus turned around to the man thanking him and said, wait, 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 wait. Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? And what that tells me is, is that Jesus expected the nine to come back. He expected that. I'll never forget years and years and years ago, I was teaching at the school, and, um, and, uh, and, and while I was teaching, I, I talked about the fact that, um, that I had done something for someone. And didn't, get a, and didn't get a thank you note, didn't get any expressions of gratitude whatsoever, didn't, didn't, I mean, no appreciation whatsoever. And it ticked me off. And I told them about that story. It made me mad. And I had a little lady come up to me who was one of my students uh, after the class was over with. Everybody else had dismissed from the classroom. And she kind of found me, if you will. And she kind of got up. And she was a little tiny little thing. She kind of looked up at me and she said, you need to grow up. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking to myself, what, 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 what? Expecting a thank you when you do something good for people. Now you realize the degree of the, the, degree of the confrontation determines sometimes the degree of response, you know? And so, and so I said to her, I said, have you ever read your Bible? Did not Jesus expect the nine to come back and say thank you? Does he need to grow up too? And she just said, I never thought about that before. <laughs> and kind of walked off, you know, and, and I didn't hear anything more about it to her. And Jesus expected those nine to come back and say thank you. Now, now, I think there's a lot of things that can be said in these verses, but I will say this. I, I was teaching on this subject years ago at a conference, and, 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 I, and I thought about this. Isn't it kind of true that this story of the, of the ten and then the one coming back, it just really shows how rare gratitude will be in today's society. That you're going to have a small percentage that will ever be grateful enough, thankful enough, you know, because I found this to be true when it comes to Thanksgiving. This is not my subject, but when it comes to Thanksgiving, three things have to happen. First of all, you have to think about what that person has done for you. I mean, you know, you're never going to write a thank you note. You're never going to say thank you to someone if you don't think about what they've done for you. Number two, you've got to place value on it. You've got to place value on it. Have you ever received something that, that you tasted and you're like, and, and, and so, you, so, so you created a sign, file 13, and you put it on the trash can? 
and you threw it in the, the trash can and you wrote him a note, I filed it, file 13, thank you so much, you know. But the thing about it is, 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 is the rarity. Number one, you have to think about what that person has done for you. Number two, you have to, you have to place value upon it. Number three, you have to express it with words, either through a written or through verbiage. Are you all out there? You know as well as I do that there's a lot of individuals that you do things for that never value what you... How, how many times do we, do we open a door for people and they never say thank you? And every once in a while I'll flesh out, don't forgive me, forgive me, I'm so sorry I do this, but every once in a while I'll flesh out, get kind of carnal about it, and say, you're welcome. <laughs> you know? It's like I didn't have to do that, you know? I went out of my way, you know, to, to, to do that. And, hey, 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 do you not place any value upon that? I went out of my way. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> and so the thing about it is, is this issue of thanksgiving is a huge, huge issue in the mind of God. He, he expects two things to be given to him, honor, and he expects thanksgiving, gratitude. Now, the thing about it is to this, what I found this to be true in my study of honor, is that he, that he does not leave it up to us to determine who, who is to be honored. Um, he outlines for us who we are to honor and what we are to honor. And I, and I found this to be true. I want you to go with me, if you will, to, to John, John chapter 5. I found this to be true, that, that God expects us to honor his appointed. Can I put it to you another way? God expects us to honor his sent ones. And, 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 and to be appreciative of them. He expects us to honor his appointed. He expects, us, he, he expects us to honor his representatives. The things that he sends. Um, and I found this to be true. Listen to what he says here in, in, um, in uh, John chapter 5. In verse 23, Jesus said these words. Um, he said, verse 23 of John 5, that all men should honor the Son even as, the even as they honor the Father, and he that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which has sent him. Evidently, we are to, we are to honor those whom he sends. Uh, because, because go to another one, uh, John chapter 13. John 13. John 13, verse 20. John 13, verse 20. He says these words. Verily I say unto you, this is Jesus talking now, verily I say unto you, um, he that receiveth whomsoever I send, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. In other words, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't receive whom he sends, if you don't honor whom he has sent, well, then you're not honoring me. And if you're not honoring me, you're not honoring him. So who, so who, has God sent? So what has God sent that we are to honor, that we are to be appreciative of? Uh, I, I found it to be true in these categories. Here we go, guys. I find the first, be, the first one that he sent was Jesus. Now, I'm going to say this, and, we'll, and you'll understand this a little bit later on, but, I, but, but how many of you know that Jesus and the Word are one? And so in reality, he sent us Jesus, yes, but he also sent us the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, and so, so there is an honor that we are to give the word. And there's an, a degree of appreciation that we are to give the word of God. And when we do, then we're able to benefit from the full design 
of the word that God has intended. Everything that God has ever given you and I has been given for our advancement, for our benefit. There is no gift that he gives, gives to us that diminishes our life. They add, they add to our lives. They add balance to our lives. They add significance to our lives. Everything that he gives, he, he gives for a purpose. He gave Jesus, there was a design. There was a God-intended design. There were some benefits that, that were attached to Jesus. And, 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 and our honor of that allows the benefits of that God-designed uh, areas within Jesus to, to, to come into our life and begin to bless our lives and benefit our lives. Same thing with the Word of God. There is a God-designed benefit from the Word of God and, and the degree of honor that we give the Word of God and the degree of appreciation that we give the Word of God determines the amount of impact that the Word of God will have upon our life. If you honor it to this degree, you get this amount of impact. If you honor it to this degree you get that amount of impact. If you, if you honor it to this degree, well then, well then all of a sudden you get that. There is a God design. And, and our failure to honor the word of God and Jesus lessens the ability for him to impact our lives and be involved in our lives. Number two, the second thing that I found that he gives us is the Holy Ghost. Amen. He's given us the Holy Ghost. And he said, I will give you another comforter. And our, and our honor of the spirit of God and our gratefulness for the Spirit of God in our lives. Not being ashamed, but I mean our honor, our, our, our appreciation of the Spirit of God allows all that the Spirit of God is designed to do uh, entrance into our lives to where all of a sudden it, 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 it's allowed to have full impact upon our lives and, and to be fully involved in our lives. It, it depends upon the degree of honor that we give Him. So the thing about it is if we divert our honor that we're supposed to give the Holy Ghost or the Word of God to other things, maybe the world's opinions, maybe, maybe, maybe our own ways in spite of the Spirit of God's ways, then that creates a jealousy within the heart of God. Why? Because I gave you a gift, and the gift was designed to operate in this fashion in your life, and yet you're honoring other things more than you're honoring the things that I've given you. Have you ever given a gift where they just didn't honor the gift? It just brought up that, ah, on the inside of you. Because we know that what we, were, what we gave them was, was for their benefit, was for their blessings. Number three, the third thing that I find that, that God's given to us is ministry gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, there's a, there, there's a God-designed uh, um, uh, uh, um, existence in each one of those gifts. Uh, for the apostle, there's a God-designed uh, giftings uh, for, the, for the prophet, uh, for the evangelist, for the pastor, for the teacher. And our, and our degree of honor that we give to these individual giftings uh, it, it depends upon the amount of impact that they can have upon our lives. Uh, they're in our lives for a purpose. And I found this to be true that another God-designed group has been given to us, and that's mothers and fathers. That is a God-designed place in life. God designed the issue of a mother. God designed the issue of a father. And, and, and there's a place, there's a, there's, a, there's a designed impact upon everyone that a father touches, everyone that a mother touches. There's a God designed, and, and, and our degree of honor, and, and, and to be honest with you about it, as I, as I teach the, the issue of honor at Rainbow Bible Training College, 
uh, I stumbled on the fact that, yes, we are to honor our mother and father, but how many of you know, guys, that scripture has no, has no date ex expiration. In other words, when you leave the house, you're no longer to honor them. When you leave the, come on, guys, when you get married, you're no longer, no matter what age we are, as long as we have a mother and a father on the earth, we are to honor them. And there's much to be said about that, and I'm not going to teach upon that, because, uh, because what I found out in teaching at the school, that there was a whole lot of students sitting in my classroom that didn't respect their mother and father, that, didn't, that, that when I brought up the issue of honoring your mother and father, it brought up horrible, horrible nightmares as to what, how they were brought up by their mother and father. And now you're expecting me to honor them, and so I had to talk about the fact, how do you honor mother and fathers who do not deserve it? That was a main, man, I, I never realized the landmine that I touched on when I brought that subject to the plate. It shocked me. To this day, it still rocks me to my core. Because there's just a lot of it. In fact, I asked our, our student body, probably 400 people sitting before me in one of my classrooms, I said, um, how many of you come from broken homes? And over 50% of those people raised their hands and came from broken homes. So they don't have a real high opinion of their mother and father. And so I had to talk to them about this issue, about how do you, how do you, how do you honor, how do you be grateful for people that aren't, wasn't so honorable, don't really deserve to be. But I will say this, when you start talking, I'm sure Tony talked about this issue, honor has nothing to do with the recipient and how they have treated you. Honor is about what you are to do to them. That doesn't mean that you overlook some things. That doesn't mean you just kind of shove it underneath the thing. Some things need to be addressed. But the thing about it is, is there is some honor that we are to give our parents, even the ones that do not deserve it. And how much better it is to honor someone who does deserve it. How much easier. But, 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 but just to be real honest with you about it, if you're not honoring those who do deserve it, you're probably not going to be anywhere in the ballpark when it comes to honoring people that don't deserve it. But anyway, but there, there, there's a God-designed uh, reason for a father to be in your life. A God-designed reason for a mother to be in your life. And we are to honor that God design because why? When you allow that to happen in your life, th then the full impact of their, of their reason for existing in your life is allowed into your life. And you walk out benefited, you're out improved you, you, because it blesses you. I also found this to be true, that not only are we to honor the Word, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, not only are we to honor our fathers and mothers, but we're to honor our spouses. Your, your wife has a God-designed stamp to her. Your husband has a God-designed purpose. And, 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 and as spouses, um, we are to honor our spouses because of their, their purpose, the wife's purpose and, and design uh, in the marriage union is not the same design that I have as a husband. And, and I'm to recognize her design and, and, and give her room to, to function in her, because in her, in her God-designed arena. Why? It, it allows her life to, to, to if you will, to, to, um, to bring benefit, to, to, to bring impact upon my life. The next one that I found that we are to give honor and to whom honor is due is civil authorities. I'm sorry. But government is God's idea. Authorities are God's idea. May not be the man that's in the house, but the position is God's idea. And there is a God-designed purpose. Uh, the, the majority of civil authorities is to create just that, civility. 
You realize that as well as I do, when government does not function as they should, then the loss of civility happens. Come on, guys. And there are, there are nations on this earth that are no longer civil when it comes to one another. Why? Because the civil authorities are no longer in their place keeping a lid on things as they should. And we won't talk too much about that. And then I found this to be true. There's another arena that I found, and this is the last one, and that is employers. Employers, there's a God design. And the reason why that I, that I see these things is because God, in His Word, has given instructions to every one of these arenas as to how to function in their position. But when you see lifestyles being embraced by people and those lifestyles have no mention of instructions to improve them and to maintain them, they are not a God-ordained lifestyle. And if you listen to what I just said, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to say that again. If there is not instructions in God's Word to expose the, the responsibilities of that level, the, of that arena, um, to improve it, to maintain it, then it is not a God-ordained lifestyle. Come on. But he's, he's given in the Word how ministry gifts are to function. He's given in the Word how the Holy Ghost is to function. He's given in the Word how, 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 how husbands and wives are to function, how, how, how mothers and fathers are to function, how civil authority is to function, how employers are to function. He's given us, he's given us in the Word, and so there is a God design to their purpose for existence that we must honor. Now, where do we start? I found this to be true, and I stumbled on this recently, that the same way we honor the top-tier things are the same way we are to honor the bottom-tier things. Same way we are to honor the Word is the same way we are to honor the Holy Spirit. Same way we are to honor mother and father. Same way we are to honor uh, 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 spouses. Same way we are to honor civil authorities, ministry gifts, employers. Same thing, same principles. It's not, it's not all over the gamut. It's the same principles, the same arenas. Now, I found this to be true, that when it comes to God's Word, I'm going to go very quickly here, so please forgive me, but time's getting away from me. When it comes, when it comes, to, the, when it comes to the Word of God, uh, it's clear to me that any time that you open up your Bible, that you're getting a peek into another world. Um... And what is possible if we embrace its principles? It gives us a little peek. Every time we open up our Bibles, we are accessing wisdom to live life at its best. Can I put it to you like this? The Word of God reveals how we are to best how we are best designed to live life. You cannot go to another source and find ingredients, principles that can cause your life to live a better life than what is described within the Word of God. This is life at its best right here. When I get in the Word of God and find out how a husband is to function within the home, it is the, it is the highest level 
of, of knowledge. It is the highest level of, of, um, of uh, 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 wisdom that I can receive as to how to function as a husband, how to function as a father, how to function as a mother, how to function as a, 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 as a wife, how to function in, my, in every arena. It's life at its, as its best. We are our wisest, we are our strongest when we embrace the Word of God. Cannot get any wiser than that, can't get any stronger than that, can't get any better than that. This thing describes life at its best. But I want you to go with me, if you will, to um, Mark, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And I want to begin reading, if you will, with verse 1. Mark 6 and verse 1. There is an honor that each one of these areas is to obtain. There is a gratefulness that each one of us are to give to these areas. And it allows their God-designed purpose access into our life. When you start getting to the place to where you think you're smarter, wiser than these things, how many of you understand that uh, when Lucifer fell from his place in heaven, he was one of the third mighty angels, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. He had a third of the angels underneath his, underneath his watch. How many of you know all of a sudden Lucifer started, started, if you will, honoring his thoughts more than God's thoughts? He got to the place to where God's thoughts were no longer higher than his thoughts. When you get to the place where God's thoughts are no longer higher than your thoughts, on the same level, to where I can take him or leave him, then you'll fall from your place just like Lucifer fell from his place. Are you all out there? We're to to honor him. We're to give what belongs to him. Honor gives what belongs. What belongs to God's word. Honor what belongs to God's word. Gratefulness, what belongs to these other gifts. Listen to what it says here. Mark chapter 6 and verse, I'm sure Tony talked about this when he taught on this subject. Verse 1, and he went out from this, came to his own country. Disciples followed him. Disciples came I began to teach in synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished from whence that this man have these things. What wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judah, Simon? Are not his sisters with us? And they were offended at him. Verse 4, Jesus saith unto them, a prophet is not without underline it, not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, in his own household. In other words, he said, the, 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 the toughest area to get people to heed what you have to say is going to be those who are the closest to you. <clears throat> toughest place to get people to honor are going to be those people who are the closest to you. But the people who are closest to you, their best life is lived when they honor those who are closest to them. Listen to what it says here. And he could there do no mighty work. Didn't say he wouldn't. Said he couldn't. Except that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And you know the rest of the story. And I wrote this down. Their failure to honor Jesus hindered God's design. Hinders God's healing involvement in their life. God desired to heal them but their failure to honor the vessel he sent to heal them through short-circuited that vessel in providing them what God wanted them to have. Say it again. 
Can I put it to you like this? Lack of honor limits God's ability to impact our life through that vessel. It's been said, and I agree with it completely, they treated him as if he was not anointed, and he was not anointed for them. And there have been husbands and fathers, husbands and wives that are, that are being treated as if they were not anointed by God, set by God. And so therefore they're not anointed to their spouse. Fathers and mothers are not being treated as if they were not God's appointed, set in place by God. So when it comes to the word of God, and I'm going to start here, I'm not going through all the other things, I'm going to, I'm going to hone in on one issue. And I just heard these words. Because each one of these, each one of these has a voice. The word has a voice. The Holy Spirit has a voice. Ministry gifts have a voice. Mothers and fathers have a voice. Uh, 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 husbands and wives have a voice. Civil authority has a voice. And employers have a voice. Mark chapter 4. The degree of honor that we give to them is going to determine the degree of involvement and the impact that they have upon our lives. Let's just go ahead and kick the cat out of the bag. Let's go for it. The point in all this is this. The first display of honor in all the areas that I've just rattled off is the issue of think time. Think time. Every one of these areas has a voice. And the amount of think time that you give to that voice reveals to a great degree how much honor you have given to that voice. Isn't it interesting that Jesus in Mark 6 was teaching and they heard him and they were astonished at what he said but their thoughts left what he said, didn't give it any think time at all. We grew up with this guy. And they refocused their think time off of what he was saying onto their experiences with him. Do you see here, that dishonored Jesus. Because the message that he spoke was not from him. Jesus said it himself, my doctrine is not mine. The words that I speak, they're the Father's the one that sent me. And yet, isn't it interesting that when he spoke God's wisdom, they gave it no think time because they focused on the natural, they treated him as common, and gave it no think time. The first step in honoring a mother and father is to think about what they said and not, and not cast it off quickly as ridiculous unreasonable. Come on, guys. Same thing with ministry gifts. Same thing with spouses. When, when, when our spouse says something to us, if we're honoring their position in our life, then we should at least consider and think, spend some think time on what's been said. Instead, what do we do? We normally, we, we, we usually just automatically respond. Nah, that, 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 that's not, you don't even know what you're talking about. Blah, 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 blah. And you don't give it any think time at all. You're just honoring that person's position in your life. When an employer comes to you 
and addresses a particular, and you don't give it any think time, but you just react, you're dishonoring that employer wife. You're not giving it any think time. How did I come to this conclusion? Mark chapter 4. Because with the word, we must give it think time. The degree of think time that we give the word of God is going to determine the degree of honor that we give that word. You know, Tony and I were talking about this the other day. When it comes to messages, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you about it, guys. I've listened to thousands and been in thousands of church services. And I never, wait, I never walk away with a message. I never walk away with the full sermon. What I do have touched my heart in the sermon is usually a point, one point, one point that touches me and say, ooh, you know? And if I, if I don't spend some think time on that one thought, on that one principle, on one that truth, I'll let that thing get away from me. Come on, guys. And dishonor what God is endeavoring to do in my life at the moment. I'll give you an example. I was going to use this as, as, as my closing example, but I'll use it now. Uh, uh, Tony actually read this scripture. I was in uh, Tucson, Arizona a while back ago. And uh, I was ministering, and I was sitting on the front row, and the, 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 the little lady was, somebody was taking an offering. And, uh, um, uh, and, and she had everybody turn to, to Proverbs chapter 3, verses, verses 5 and 6. So she started reading 5 and 6, Trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct your path. And she stopped right there and started talking about that scripture. And while she was reading, my eyes fell to verse 9. She didn't even talk about that, never did talk about this scripture. Honor the Lord with, the, with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shalt thou barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. The instant I read that verse, the Spirit of God, whom I am to honor, spoke up on the inside of me and said these words, there is a, there's a stream of income that you've never tithed on all this time. And the moment he said those words to me, I knew he had me. I knew he had me. Because I, I was faithful in tithing off my main income, Kenneth Hagin ministry income. But there was another area of income that I had that I had not tithed on at all. And I knew that the Spirit of God was addressing that issue in my life. I found this to be true, that any time the Spirit of God touches an area in your life, what he's simply saying is this, your life can be better. You make this little bit of an adjustment, your life will be better. And so I knew, I knew the Spirit of God had me. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. And so I took out a yellow piece of paper that I had in my little ashes case. I didn't bring it with me here, but it's in, the, it's in the pastor's office. But I had it with me there. And I wrote down on the thing, tithe on. And I did that so I could keep that in my thought life. Come on, guys. Because the degree of think time that you give to the truth that you hear determines the degree of honor you give the truth that you just heard. And I kept that with me. 
But we have climbed out of a hole, and there is starting to have, we actually have a little fund set aside now. We've never had this have. Extra money has been a tough thing for a long time. I'm paying my bills, and I'm keeping up with everything, but extra money, that, that thing said barns will be filled. My barns weren't filled at all. I mean, I, I'm making it, but pretty well paycheck to paycheck. We now have a fund in our kitchen. Can't tell you where it's at. <laughs> Say some of you, all of a sudden, some of the guy leaves, go, 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 jumps on an airplane, you know, beats me down to Tulsa, you know. But, but, but we now have to where we got money now to where we can actually go travel and see my daughter and son-in-law in North Carolina without breaking the bank. We can pay cash for it now. The point of the matter is simply this. It all started out with the thought time that that word spoken into my life, that thought, think time belongs to a word spoken. Think time belongs to a word that's spoken into your heart. Uh, an issue that's been highlighted. And if we don't give it any think time, same thing, I'm, 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 I'm going to go back to this issue. Your wife's words deserves think time. We men, we have a way with us where anything that they say that's not within our scope of plan and anything that we've got planned up, no, no, we're not doing that. No, no. There's times where you need to consider why. There's a God-designed of that woman in your life and that man in your life for that matter that, that if you honor that person and give at least a little bit of think time this is the first area not not every area but the issue of think time to what they're saying how much better can our lives really be especially uh, i heard these words especially in the area of raising children you need to be as a team this is not a solo mission. You're supposed to be teamed up with, a, with your wife or teamed up with your husband when it comes to raising your children. And they have, they have concerns about their children that you may not have. Then they bring those concerns up and you shoot them down every time. And I'm telling you, men have a way of saying no easily, much easier. We're, we're, more, we're more no people than we are yes people. No, not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that. Sometimes you just kind of wonder how long wives can keep on being told no. Let's go to the parable of the sower. It's a very familiar passage. We're going to hurry here. The sower soweth the word. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. When they have heard, Satan can immediately take the word out of their hearts. Thus, uh, uh, um, and these are they which are sown upon stony ground, who when they have heard, Mark 4, verse 16, when they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. And have no root in themselves, but endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution rises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth some uh, fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Now, anybody with any brains who's read this verse is going to ask the question: What determines the difference? What determines the difference? And, and, and there's been a lot of sermons trying to address this issue of determining the difference. What determines the difference between a thirtyfold return, sixtyfold return, and a hundredfold? What what determines the difference? Keep reading. Is a candle brought to be put underneath a bushel, underneath the bed, not underneath a stick on a candlestick? 
For there is nothing hid which shall not be made manifest. And was there anything kept secret but that it should come abroad? If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24, he's still teaching. And he said unto them, watch this now. Pay attention to what you hear. Look at what, verse, verse, verse 15, and when they had heard. Verse 16, and when they had heard. Verse 18, and when they hear the word of God. Verse 20, such as hear the word. Verse 24, this is the answer. What determines the 60-fold, 30-fold, or 100-fold return on the word that's sold into your life? You, you, you pay attention to what you hear. For what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. Listen to the Amplified Version. You pay attention to what you hear. For the measure, Amplified Version, for the measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge. Oh, thank you. Will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given. And he said unto them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of what? Thought. And study that you give to the truth that you hear. Doesn't this scripture go directly in the, same, in the same direction as Joshua 1.8, the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. Okay? Isn't it true that what this is saying is this? Meditation is the step between the hearing, come on guys, and the doing. Thou shalt meditate upon day that thou mayest observe to do. You hear the word of God, you give it some think time, and you'll end up doing it. Is that not right? But the reason why a lot of people are not doing it, they're not on this step, is because they never gave it any thought time after they heard it. Can I put it to you like this, guys? Thought always precedes action. Always. Never one time have I ever found myself in Walmart. What in the world am I doing out here? Man, I was in my lazy boy just a second ago. What in the world? You've never found. Isn't it true that before you go to Walmart, you're, you're going to think about it for a little bit? Come on, guys. How I many know before you paint your house, you're going to think about it for a while, 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 until your wife just puts her foot down? <laughs> Y'all out there, the thing about it is simply this, is the issue of think time. And is it not true that we are living in a culture today that quickly dismisses anybody else's opinion, suggestion, idea, wisdom? We, we I mean, we toss it to the side. Within a, if it doesn't line up with what we think, with what we believe, but I'm telling you right now, there are God-designed um, uh, representatives in our life that, 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 that are speaking into our life from the Word of God, from the Spirit of God, ministry gifts, from husbands and wives, from fathers and mothers, from, from civil authorities, from employers. There are people giving us tidbits of wisdom from, from their God-designed purpose in life that we cannot just continually toss aside what they've suggested or their ideas or their... But we at least give it some think time. What are we doing? I'm honoring you. How do you dishonor someone? Just completely ignore what they have to say. We've had that happen with us as parents. 
They just keep going no matter what. That's dishonor. The Bible says we are to honor our mother and our father. I was teaching on, I was teaching on this issue of, of uh, honoring your mother and father when they don't deserve it. And I listened to a man minister on this subject, and he said something I never thought of before. He said, there, there, are, there are mothers and fathers that are so broken, so out of, out of kilters, they're so dysfunctional. And then he said these words, even a broken, even a broken clock is right twice a day. And I thought about that. I thought about even the most dysfunctional mom and dad, even the most dysfunctional marriage, still have a little bit of concern for those kids. And they can see where maybe their kids are taking a, a wrong step. And, and they speak to that. If that child is not real careful, He'll take the accumulation of the dysfunction and discard everything they say. Everything they say. Dishonor their parents right and left. But even a broken clock is right twice a day. That means there's times when you have to stop. Think about what they've said. In the ministry arena, you know, we have a lot of camps. This camp, that camp, this camp, and that camp. And uh, there's a lot of ministers in this camp, a lot of ministers in this camp, a lot of ministers in this camp. And there's a tendency to only listen to your camp. But I'm sorry. There's other camps that got pastors in their camp. Brother Hagen taught us this long time ago. He taught it hard. You eat the hay and you leave the sticks. When I'm with other ministers of other camps, man, I'm taking notes. I'm going back over and I'm thinking about what they said. Why? Because they have a God design. They can bring wisdom into my life that I may need. But if I just cast them off, are you all out there? And to be honest with you about it, what I really wanted to say to you, which I'm not going to get to, <laughs> is in the parable of the sower. I don't have time to teach on this, but, but the first ground the first ground. If you go and read this thing from Luke, from Matthew 13, that the reason why the devil steals the word out of the heart is because they don't understand it. They don't understand it. They don't know how to apply it in their life. So that bears no fruit whatsoever. And my thought was this. He said, in verse 24, you pay attention to what you hear. The measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that carries... Do we value the Word of God? Do we honor the Word of God enough to where you keep thinking on 
even something you don't understand, you keep thinking on it until you do understand. Until I do understand how to apply. How many of us have heard things taught that we didn't know how to apply? You remember what, what the angel said to Daniel as, after he knocked him to the ground? He said, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, your words were heard. I mean, you know, guys, there's times where something's taught within us, the word of God, and we know it's the word, but we don't understand how to apply it. Can you honor that word by keeping it in your thought life until understanding can come as to how I can apply this to my life? Can you honor it? In spite of your lack of understanding. Well, man, I just, all of us have walked out of services. Did you understand anything that guy said? No, I didn't understand anything that guy said, you know. But so that means that but there could, there's probably something in there that if you keep on it, stay with it. How many of you understand that some of us, some of us have to get a little taller to understand some things? You understand what I'm saying by that? How many of you know uh, some of us are tall enough to understand uh, adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, decimals, uh, percentages, fractions? But I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not tall enough to understand algebra. <laughs> I don't understand algebra. A plus B equals Z. Give me the numbers. You spell with letters, you add with numbers. <laughs> Never could figure that out, you know. Isn't that right? And there's just some things, there's some things that you'll have to see one principle in order to understand the next principle. It's about the culture of today. The reason why the culture of today is, 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 is slowly disintegrating before our very eyes is because we no longer honor the very things that God has appointed to keep us balanced, stable, in place. How many of you know? How many of you know this world is disintegrating the honor given the Word, the Holy Ghost. Even in the church world, we're seeing that um, ministry gifts. And how many of you know moms and dads, and husbands and wives? Even come on, let's be real clear about this. Much less civil authorities and employers. You fail to honor. God's representatives, you fail to honor God, and his design for your life falls apart. Lucifer's life fell apart because he failed to dishonor God. And I want you to think about this. I don't have time to teach on this, but guys, we need to learn from Lucifer. Lucifer's the God of this world. And, and how he came to fall with, with his relationship with God is how we fall. He just refused to honor God. Your thoughts are above my thoughts. Your ways are above my ways. No, he said, I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars of God. I'm, I'm going to be equal with God. I'm, I'm, going, I'm, going to, I'm going to decide what's good and what's right. I'm going to decide what's bad. I'm going to decide. I can do that. You're doing it. I can do it. Are you all out there? Let me quickly. We'll go. Number two, do you honor the word of God to keep it in your thought life when everything around you is falling apart, when you're going through hell, when, you're, when your life is full of challenges. Look at what it says here, verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who, when they have heard, 
the word, immediately they receive with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and they endure for a time. But when affliction and persecution arises, when problems arise, when, when you're being challenged, uh, when, when difficulties arise, immediately they give up the word that was sowed into their life, and they produce no fruit. The question that I had for you was this. Do we honor the word of God enough that when we, when we hear something we don't know how to apply, can we keep it in our thought life long enough to figure out how to apply it? Do we honor the word of God well enough that when we keep it in our thought life, we keep thinking about what God has instructed us to do in the midst of our problems? But, but is it not true that a lot of our problems can so distract you from what God has said? I'll never forget, years ago I was teaching in human school, and I had drawn a, a mountain on a chalkboard. And I was talking about speaking, speaking to your mountain, uh, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. And while I, while I had that, I was talking to the healing school class, and while I, while I had that mountain on the, on the chalkboard, I heard these words. There are people in this room so captivated with their mountain, they forgot what I told them to do about their mountain. There are people in this room so captivated with their mountain, they forgot what I told them to do about their mountain. How many of you know problems can distract you from what God has said that you're supposed to do to the mountain? That's what happened to the children of Israel with Jericho Wall. They got so caught up with the mountain, they forgot about what God told them to do. You can get so taken up with your problems that your thoughts, your mind, are, are on your problems and you forget about what God... There was a problem that I had at home. All of a sudden, I'd, I'd spent up probably a good two hours worrying about, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, on the inside, I heard these words, if any man lack wisdom, <laughs> let him ask of God. Amen. And I, I said, Lord, forgive me. Jones, you're an idiot. <laughs> Spend all this time. How, how many of you can get so taken up with your problem that you forget about the counsel God gave you through his word? God's design plan is for you to ask him when you're going through difficulties. The Lord, the Spirit of God, I honored the Spirit of God in the midst of my challenges when I got my thoughts off of God, off of his word. I, I'm trying to come up with my own strength. Come on, guys. Think time. And then the last ground, verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word of God. How many of you know, guys, the good life, the good life can distract your thought life off of God's wisdom as much as difficulty can. There is a danger to being prosperous. Demas hath forsaken me having loved the world. There's a danger because when you, when you think you're prosperous, when you've got it all wrapped up in your little mind, how many of you know you stop leaning on God? His wisdom, provision. Are you all out there? But the thing about it is simply this, is that is that we're to keep our thoughts on the word until we understand it. We are to keep our thoughts on the word while we're going through difficult times. We are to keep our thoughts on the, on the word while we're enjoying the prosperity of life. Hmm. We, we are to keep our thoughts on our wife's opinion, on our husband's opinion, when all hell's breaking loose. And we are to value their thoughts and their opinions when we're enjoying the good life. Y'all out there? 
God has a design for each one of these areas. The world is, de the world is dishonoring these God-designed representatives. There's a scripture, I'm sure Tony taught on it, in Romans. It's the downhill progression of mankind, and it begins with this phrase. And when they knew God, they honored him not as God. You can know God and not honor him as God. Have you ever, have you ever thought about this? First John. Beloved, let us love one another. Think about this just for a second. Beloved, let us love one another. The lovers of God and everyone that loveth is born of God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Are they still born again? I've got people who tell me, well, if, they, if you don't love, you're not born again. First John doesn't say that. Listen to what it says. Everybody look up here, if you will. Beloved, let us love one another. Thank you. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Are you still born again? But you just don't know God. Okay, don't like that. There are people today in this world that know God as Savior, but do not know God as baptizer in the Holy Ghost. They, they know God as Savior, but they don't know him as a healer. They don't know him as a guide that will guide and lead you and direct you, show you things to come, give guidance as to what, what you do and which way to go. They don't see him as a guide. Oh, are they going to heaven if they were to die today? Absolutely. Confess Jesus as their Lord, love God, but they don't know God. Just because... Just because someone confesses Christ doesn't mean that they honor God as God. And what that verse tells me, and I'm sure Tony talked about it, but what that verse, that whole, that whole Romans 1 deal tells you is the disintegration of our culture is on that one, on that one principle. That when they knew God, that's what happened to Lucifer. It's really great, great picture of what happened to Lucifer that when he knew God, didn't honor him as God. That means my opinion is just as good as yours. My ways are just as good as yours. I'm just as smart as you are. I can do what you can do. It was the beginning of the fall for him, and it's the beginning of the fall for, this, for, for today's culture. But in the midst of today's culture, I'm, I'm begging you, in the midst of today's culture, we must honor the representatives that he's given, honor the word, Honor the Spirit of God. Honor ministry gifts. Honor mothers and fathers. Honor husbands and wives. Honor civil authorities. Honor your employer. Come on, guys. How much of a better life would that bring us? Glory to God. But, but the message that I wanted to bring, I don't know if I got, did a good job at it at all. You all doing okay today? I don't know if I'm doing a good job at it at all, but think time, if you don't think about the word, think about the counsel the Spirit of God gives you when you're in the midst of the troubled difficulties. If you don't think about the counsel God's given you about that issue in the past, then you're going to drift apart from his help in that area. 
Don't become so prosperous that you never think about the principles and the, and the, and, and the thoughts that he's given you, the truths that he's revealed to you. Don't ever get so that you forget about why. You're going to need those truths. You need to honor those truths. Once again, every time God reveals something to you, every time God shows you something, every time he reminds you of something, he's simply saying, if you'll make this little bit of an adjustment, life will be better. Amen? Honoring him. And can I say it to you like this? This is here again. <laughs> Probably a whole lot more notes than what I could have delivered. But how many of you know that once you honor and give your spouse some think time, you need to, you need to show them some appreciation. Show them how grateful you are that they're in your life. And that's moms and dads, the Holy Ghost. Every once in a while, you need to thank God for giving you the Holy Ghost. Thank God for giving you the Word of God. Thank God for giving you a mother and a father. Whether they're the good, bad, or the other, it doesn't matter. Thank you that I have one. Thank you that I got a spouse. Whether it's good, bad, never mind. And, and, um, and, and, and thank you for the civil authorities. Thank you for my employer. Why? You give honor to whom honor is due. You give honor to whom honor is due. If it's due them, you give it to them. If they're your employer, there's an honor that belongs to them. That does not belong to other employers in the, in the city. You give it to them. That means what? Oh, I, I want to teach on this so bad I can't stand it. You know, the, 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 the thing about, you know, when you honor your employer, you, you work as under the Lord and not as under men. You work when the boss's eyes are, 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 are not on you as well as you work when their eyes are on you. What are you doing? I'm honoring you. You may not deserve it, but I'm honoring my God in honoring you in the way God told me to honor you. Are you all out there? Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy.